You could either be a product of your environment or your environment could be a product of you. Like, because if you're basing your whole self-worth and how you feel about yourself on a like, the problem is that people can't separate themselves from the phone to reality who they actually are. That this is a family, this is a we, we are a unit. Doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, we're gonna put all that BS aside and we are gonna focus on the goal. The goal is to help you in our program win on the mat and in life. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Burn Down Podcast. Today, we have an in-studio guest. He is the head wrestling coach at Hunter College. He is a mindset coach, a performance, strength, and conditioning coach. That is no other than our guy, Nick Coco, rocking the Burn Down Podcast t-shirt. What's up, Nick? How are we doing today, fellas? Hey, man. We're doing fantastic love it love the shirt man i got this i got the regular burn down logo he's got the cheers chin chin salute eric i screwed up unfortunately screwed up didn't bring the polo but whoopsies you know what that's actually a good shirt we could put a little black burnt little burnout podcast right there on the logo just take yo put a sticker on there Uh, yeah put a sticker on there done that's it nick what's up bro yeah let me move this a little bit closer to you thank you thank you audio 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 quality is, is pristine when you talk right in the microphone yeah, you so, got to get get, yeah. get them lips right up against yeah. it, baby. So first of all, fellas, I want to thank you guys for having me here. Appreciate, of course, bro. I'm very grateful for the opportunity um, to come on the come on your podcast, and I hope that we can get out and get this message to some more people who are uh, hopefully strength and conditioning, wrestling, athlete minded, trying to figure out and find out some more ways to improve. You know, maybe their kids' game or their own game, but we hopefully we can get them there. The reason I chose this shirt. Is because one, I love the shirts. <laughs> the fit, the fit's pretty good. You know, more, ath- it's an athletic fit. Yeah, hit, a couple, okay. hit a couple hammer curls before you know. <laughs> it, feels, it fits pretty damn good. Okay, hit a, and just the the saying, right? The chin chin, the salute. Cheers, Every time, chin chin salute, baby. Because you know, it's every episode we used to end it we used to say i used to say something different and then justin was starting saying something different i'm like you know what why don't we just say all three and just put on a t-shirt and then you're just banging out one shot you know what's funny too is when when looking back on it i go why i don't hear anything in here you don't hear anything no yeah there you go turn it up a little bit i hear it yep yeah now we're fucking cooking with gas What's funny is that we have this cheers, chin, chin, salute shirt. And it was just something that Eric, you know, rolled off the tongue at the end of an episode and it stuck. But now that we're looking back at it, cheers is, you know, the American way of saying a toast. Chin, chin is the Italian way of saying a toast. Eric is Italian, right? Italian. Prost is the German way. So what we should have done was cheers, chin, chin, prost, because it's American, Italian, German, right? American for everybody, Italian for Eric, German for me. That yeah. would have made made more sense. Yeah. But that's not how it came out. It came out cheers, chin, chin, salute, and that's what stuck, you know? Sounds a little bit better, I think. I, I, it just it, rolls you know, off the top. You know, it's funny. If you would have said, who, what happens if you would have said cheers, chin, chin, prost first? Yeah, maybe. Would that have sounded better because we didn't even hear about the salute part? Who I don't knows? know. I don't but, know if my fellow Italians would buy it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but chin chin's Italian. I know, but it's all. It's basically a, all. Salute is also. There's a big debate. There's yeah. a big debate between the Centan versus the Centani. Oh, of course. So this is a huge uh, debacle between like. There's a lot of like. This is how the real Italians say it. This is how the Italian Americans say it. So there's all this like animosity yeah it's like you know it's like the um 
when you say sauce and gravy. You know, that's uh, all. Oh, let's not even. Let's not oh, open look, up. Like he's itching. Nick, not, is, Nick is itching. Let's Nick is not itching. open up that can of Sugar. worms, okay? Well, yeah. last name Coco. He, you know, he can rightfully I'll, speak. So I'll give us like an analogy for the the listeners, like in in the sport of wrestling, because um, we were speaking a little bit before, and Justin was telling us, you know, that friend that you have that always tries to wrestle you. Well, he had that friend. But in wrestling, just like in basketball, there's a, like terms for techniques that we use, say, in New York. And then Pennsylvania uses a different term than the Midwest. So yeah. there is a debate on and, and everything we can relate this to there. It's like, no, we say it here like um, like I'm trying to think of one that uh, that applies like chicken wing versus Gable. The, the wrestler like Gable is a coach. He was a famous wrestling coach for the University of Iowa. So they refer to this as a Gable technique. And then here on the East Coast, they sometimes refer to it as a chicken wing or an arm bar. So the point is that there's semantics and there's this circular arguing about this is what it's called. No, this is what it's called. But yeah. really, we're all doing the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah no, I guess it could I, be anything. I That's hear you. I hear you. You know, I hear you. There's there's like same thing with basketball. Some people call it a box out. Some people call it a block out. Box but it's the out same. It's a, right box out. But you go a box out. But if you go, you know, Midwest, they'll call it a block out. Yeah, no, not none of that. Same, same, same thing, right? That's, All right, so so we got Nick Coco in the studio here. Yes, we want to we want to learn a little bit about Nick, what his back his background, where he is today, how he got there. So you are the head coach for Hunter College Wrestling Organization. What's that like? Day to day is great. Uh, my favorite part of coaching is uh, building the relationships, working with the athletes, and just being able to relate to them. Yeah. So I, I really do. I enjoy, my favorite part of my job is coaching, like the X's and O's, the box out, the the plays, right? The sure. moves. Now, are are there pl- like plays in wrestling? Like, there's plays in uh, in team sports, right? But are there wrestling is a team? Is wrestling considered a team? sport? I mean, technically, I guess so because you have individual matches, and then ultimately, it's the team that wins. It's not like like you may win your match, but your school might lose the. Uh, the 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 what about the game i don't know and you guys know as like as athletes right primarily football and basketball and the team element what's great about wrestling it has both so it's very similar to like a track and field in that way where you're gonna have your individual score and then you're gonna have the team score so it's a really good sport i think the best is when it's coupled with that team sport so say we have an athlete and they are a football player and then have them do wrestling because they both complement each other really well but where I'm going with this is that, yeah, there's both, and um, that's what makes it great because it's you, you all build each other up. It's the camaraderie. So like now, now what now? Now what would be like the equivalent of the X's and O's in wrestling? Yeah. So the original question was the match strategy. So I'll give you guys a few examples because you're sports fans, the listeners. So like in the Big Ten, right? I'll name three schools: Iowa, um, Oklahoma's Big Twelve. And then uh, Penn State, obviously. These are huge wrestling programs. Yeah, Iowa's probably the biggest, right? Isn't Iowa, like, that's their, they're known for wrestling. Is it? Are they? Oh, I, didn't, I yeah. had no idea. Corn okay. and, and wrestling. But now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're the, aren't they the, what, no, that's Nebraska. They're the Corn Huskers. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. They're also solid. Um, these, these are. Different. Iowa are the Hawkeyes? The Hawks, yeah, Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes, that's right. So, we're the Hawks. Hunter's the Hawks. Um, it's a good name, Hunter Hawks. Yeah. We're Hawks. Um. Located in the city, 68th and Lexington. It's hard, hard of the Upper East Side. How's that, that, how's that commute? 
It's interesting. <laughs> you see a lot of characters. I'm That's, sure you do. All right, so, sure. so, so go back. So go back to the X's and O's with the math. Yeah. Play. So okay. there are. So I was bringing up those big time schools because a lot of those schools have actually popularized match strategy, just like there's on um, like football strategy. Like um, you got a run team, you got a like um, a passing team, and you know there, there's these styles and identities. So same thing in wrestling. Um, we're on Iowa. It's more of an attack style. It's a heavy hand fighting for the listeners who are familiar with wrestling. Very aggressive. Mm. Now, what's now describe hand fighting versus hand fighting is when your buddy used to try to pull on your head and, and snap you down or grab your arm. Like, okay, so you're not trying to like go for the legs takedown. You're going to try to pull them down and get on top of them. Offensive lineman. That's hand fighting. The, okay. the blocking, okay. right? Okay. The bicep control, the push pull, the um, the snap. All that. Trying to beat the shoulder. Okay. Swim, swim move. Swim move. You know, a little spin action if we're going back. You remember those days? Remember Dwight, Dwight Freeney was the best at the spin move. He was the nastiest. You know what's funny? We used to use that a lot in, um, in, in like, posting up in basketball. Swim move. Sure. You do swim. Sure, sure. The, but the key is you, you, you do the opposite of a swim move. So instead of, like, swimming over the top, they'll call you for a foul because you're pushing down. So you go up. You come up and under. It's like if somebody's trying to box you out like this. Like, if you're coming across the lane... And they're trying to block you from coming across the lane. You come up under their arm and then post up. Mm. So you kind of like swim up as, a, as opposed to swimming down. Same technique, though, to get I, position on a guy. Same exact technique, just different sport. I remember when I played football and Dwight Freeney was like up and coming. And he was, he was I don't know if you guys remember, he was the yeah. DN yeah, for yeah, the Colts. Yeah. Like the fastest. And I, be, I believe like he was like the first one I really realized like. Fastest DN in the West. The uh, the importance of a swim move. Because he used to make, he used to do a little spin, fucking uh, swim move and I'm like damn so when I was in like PAL football I was a, a D end and a tight end so I would do that <laughs> and, and it worked out every time and I'll, I'll add on this because I know we have some uh, some avid uh, fans here for the NFL so a lot of these guys um, like you guys know of course like from the Patriots Stephen Neal mm-hmm. a little it's more of our time but he was a Olympic level wrestler he was a very high level competitive wrestler before joining the Patriots really so that's like a little obviously Ray Lewis we all are familiar with multiple time wrestling state champion. So really, I didn't know that either. Brock Lesnar went the opposite way. Yeah, he went, <laughs> he went to the entertainment route. Yeah, we guys should get him as a guest. He's a fucking animal, he's, dude. I actually heard a, heard a thing about him on Joe Rogan where he's like a absolute genetic freak. Oh yeah, like the guy is is a super huge fan right here. Superhuman, absolutely. I've, when you when you were in college wrestling or even in high school, did you ever go against like? Some genetic freaks that you were just like, there's no way. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> as as you guys can see, I used to jump weight classes all the time because as a bigger wrestler, there was more room to maneuver. What I mean is, like, if you're above six foot, let's say, you may go 89. You could go up to heavyweight. Heavyweight is Brock Lesnar's weight class, 285 pounds. But what does heavyweight start at? 220 two, something? 220 is the minimum. Two, per, uh, so roughly. could you imagine that you're a two, let's say you're like 230, 235 at 6'2. That's a big dude. That's oh, a yeah. that's a big dude, okay? But you got to go against somebody who's 6'5, 280. Mm-hmm. Any good stories like you're that? You're kind of like, Any, of course. Yeah, I mean, did you ever wrestle heavyweight? I'll, I'll, and I know there's a lot going on in the social media world right now. Um, not going to name any names, but just because, and as a strength and conditioning advocate, as a performance coach, this is just a small part of the equation. Like you can be a, you could look like a Schwarzenegger in his prime. You could be a super freak like Lesnar is, but not only is he a, um, a 
like an athletic specimen, but his technique, his skill, yes. his ability to drive. It's just like just because somebody has great numbers doesn't mean it's going to translate automatically to basketball right. or football, right. right? So Yeah, you can have great combine numbers, but then be shit. I just don't know why this is like still being perpetuated. Like, oh, he's like muscles equal fighting. Muscle equal being the best football player. Like, no, they help, but they're not like everything. I feel like a lot of it goes with like technicality and, and um, like form and, and I guess th- maybe discipline if in a sense. Sure. I mean, look. I mean, look at fun. basketball, right? They always say like, "Oh, you can't teach height." Like, yeah, height helps, but you can't be, you know, like look at Manute Bowl and then his son Bowl Bowl, who's seven foot five. He's the tallest guy in the NBA, but he's not near. He's not even top twenty-five. Yeah. Like, you know what? I, I something my our program and with the help of my assistant coaches, we've actually have used a lot of basketball. Like um, Coach K, obviously quotes from like Kobe, Jordan. Like these AI, like I was Jim Valvano, fan. probably too. And I just love a lot of the team stuff that they do. And I believe in our sport and wrestling, we need to. Um, I'm a big believer in like beg, borrow, and steal, right? So, like, one, why don't we give people's flowers while they're here? Like, if they do something really well and a win for them is not all automatically a loss to me, right? Mm. And why don't, and there's a lot of like division with the sports. I think that wrestling coaches and parents and fans. Like, there's a lot we can learn and utilize from the basketball, from football, from how they run their programs, from how the coaches You're talking about as, as a team? As and a program. As okay. a, Just like the, the, the mindset and the disciplines of... Communication? Of, yeah, of the sports, that's of just one, being an athlete. That's one thing that impresses me a lot with basketball players while we're here is that they, like, communicate on the court. A good team. Yeah, you have to. But a bad... You but have to. I think we can... There's things we can use in that, and I think that they can help in a coaching... Uh, a coaching sense and you were asking about strategy earlier there are so i was bringing up iowa very aggressive yes, physical yes. we keep going off topic but, but that's what we do, that's what we do. it's all good and then a traditionally like i'll use oklahoma like the cowboys oklahoma state specifically mm-hmm. they were more of like a slick unorthodox like funky type of style meaning less um strength and power and more like um flexibility and maneuvering so okay that's the difference, and as somebody who's done different sports as well, wrestling, I have a specialized, went to uh, Brockport, College of Brockport up there, and wrestling, it doesn't matter your, really your size. So you could be, like we said, Brock Lesnar, or you can be like um, those guys at the Derby. Like right, There's a space and place for you. It doesn't matter what size or weight. The coach will figure it out, you know? So did you ever wrestle? You were mentioning that you know, being a, if you're over six foot, you have the most – flexibility to change weight classes because you can be let's say you're six one you can go down to you know a buck 80 but you can also go up to 220 and that's what three weight classes at least yeah there's um, so have you ever done something like that because you're you're above six foot you're like what six foot six one something like that so you're a bigger guy have you done yeah fluctuations you, like that? typically yeah i in high school um i jumped around a little bit with the weight classes and in, in college a little bit as well but yeah sometimes they'd be like hey we they don't have someone at like 220 you got to go wrestle you don't have somebody at heavyweight you go wrestle and so back then it was just like oh, okay my coach told me to do it i do it yeah now go eat nine cheeseburgers to make you I, I was in actually like a heavyweight game mode like what i like back then um because i i wrestled uh 215 i was like 210 so there was, I, you would see me in the summer, I would blow up. And then when I was getting closer to weight, I would get skinny. So, yeah. Well, it's like that mindset. Cause I remember I had, I had a buddy in high school, 
uh, who was really good at, um, at wrestling. But like the mindset before getting ready for a match, because like you know, like you said, I, I would see him on the weekend like eating McDonald's, and then the rest of the school week he's in sweatpants. He's drinking water. He's like not talking to anybody. He's like, "Don't talk to me. I have to lose five pounds in like twenty four hours." Like, so how do you get your? How do you become your, miserable? Yeah, how do you do that? So one of the while we're here on this topic, well, I, by the way, we have wine glasses. Do I was just going to say? I saw you have, you have a brown paper bag, and I also want to move this because I don't want the, I don't want him to get excited. And yeah, I did the swim with a guy. Yeah. I know. Before, before we get into the mindset of preparing for a match, I know you brought something. So I wanted to see what it was so, so we can enjoy some. Yeah, meals. we were told to bring out wine glasses. Yeah. So so it's just really inspired by the shirt. You know, I think I saw the Italian writing and I wanted to give you something from Italy special. Oh, Let's boy. go. So, oh, boy. Is, it, is this Italian wine? It's got to be. Is this Italian wine? Yeah. Look at yes, that. it is. So I... My mother always taught me, you never show up to somebody's house empty-handed. Amen to that. Bro, you so, know how many times I dropped that line? So we, we we never show up anywhere without at least bringing <sighs> something, especially when people are welcoming us in the joint. That's it. So this is... Appreciate um, it. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. Give me a little skin on that one. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much, man. This is So this is Libero. This is a Brunello de Montalcino 2016 for the people that are listening that cannot see it. And it actually, so one of the things that I talk about a lot, and I've mentioned this on the show, I mentioned this to everybody since I came back from Italy, is that if you're getting Italian wine, look for the DOCG. And DOCG, it is an Italian acronym. So it's like Denominazione di Origine Controllata, which which basically means like this is guaranteed to be in a controlled environment. Which means less sulfites, less sugars, all that stuff, right? So you don't get hangovers from this stuff, which is fantastic. That's how you know with the label, right? Yeah, Justin. I always say, look for this. Yeah, look for this. So, the dog jagu. There's some great accounts on social talking about like even Let's with open food this. too. Let's open and, this. Man. And yeah. for the people that are Crack watching, Nick is obviously a cigar enthusiast. He loves cigars. He loves the blueprint. Let- Quick plug. But being in the fitness world, being in wrestling. He's got to be at his high peak performance, so that's why he will not be smoking a cigar tonight. Unfortunately, and, and let's and not that cigars hinder anything. No, there's, no, no. there's a time. There's a time and place for everything. Sure. No, I think it's. I think it's more so. It's like when Ruben Stutter wouldn't smoke cigars when he had to perform for his voice. Right. You know, similar I, to. I would next. say. I would probably say it's more so, not the fact that it'll like hinder the performance, but it's more so that you have a a, a large following of kids. Right, that you're coaching kids, you're coaching the parents of kids, and kids watch you and learn how sure. to. So, cigar smoking is not for kids. This is not a kids' show. Cigar smoking is not a kids' thing. Cigar smoking is for adults. So, the fact that you coach kids wouldn't be good for a kid to watch you and be like, "Oh, he smokes cigars. I want to go smoke cigars." So, I think it's more so like the this kid is for aspect, the mature you know? audience. Yeah, right. This is a mature audience. Nick is right? very an aware. He's a very aware person. He gets it. And I know we're going to eventually go down to the line of mindset and, and kids growing up nowadays and how you put them in their place. And I can't wait to talk about it. You know, that. but I'm sure that we're he's going to share some of these clips. And you don't want kids watching your clips on your platform right. uh, with you and a cigar in your mouth. Yeah. So let's open this and pour it out. And then we can hear more about this uh, mindset. So what are you going to say? Uh, you know, um, cigars, wine. These are these are great things. These are things that with uh, with moderation and balance can bring people and families together. I'm a big believer in that. Most and definitely. We talked a lot about the camaraderie. You guys bring that up a lot. For sure. 
you know, how cigars bring people together. And I think there's a, I think there's value in that. And I feel we're going away from that, obviously, with um, too much screen time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's oh, st- screen time. There's, is. Stati- there's stats on the loneliness epidemic. And, you know, doing something like this is great. It's great because you're having a you're having a sit- chance to sit down and catch up and talk about current events and other things that are going on in the cigar. I mean, world. Look, like we always say, look what we're doing. You know, we both we all three of us enjoy cigars and we're having a great conversation. We're learning a few different things. And you're in the studio, which makes it and even the, better. And with the, with the thank you, sir, with the with the history of vino, I mean, as an Italian or an Italian American or a European, please please taste the wine, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> give it a give it a little swirl, give it a little swirl. swirl. Give it the whole experience. Make sure that the bottle is good. Awesome, that'll do. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so, where was I going? Oh, doesn't matter who you are, or where you're from. I believe that you should be educated on your culture, mm. on your family history, mm. on your backgrounds. And I believe it's a good thing to, um, and this will tie into kind of where I'm going with it with athletes, um, but your identity is very important. And if you don't know yourself, how are we going to get the most out of you? Sure. You need to know True. who you are and True. Need what to you know. stand for. Yep, yep, yep. And it doesn't need to be, Justin's doesn't need to be, Nick's and Nick's doesn't need to be Eric's, but you need to have a, um, we talk about this a lot from the jump, who you are, what you stand for, what do you want? Like, so you need to know those things before we start getting into uh, the technicalities. For sure. You need to know those things about yourself. So that's why I'm a fan. I think and uh, this is consumable art. Consumable art, baby. You said it best. Cheers to that. Little chin chin. Chin chin. Cheers. Salud, my boys. All right, so I wanted to I wanted to get into you were going on before we had we poured the wine the uh, the mindset and the preparation of getting ready for matches losing weight you know twenty four hours forty eight like this is a not now how do you prepare yourself for that like what what's the mindset because you're a big mindset guy obviously so I want to you know, get into your brain about that so just like many things in society today but this I would say is for a positive this has changed our um, our approach and our thought process as we've learned more about the sports science as we've learned more about nutrition how these things affect us mentally and physically so back back in our day <laughs> guys were losing weight and eating McDonald's and running around with the plastic bags all that you're going to hear it here first garbage don't pun do intended that. Yeah. literally the garbage bags are meant for garbage don't <laughs> Don't 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 do that. And I know both of you gentlemen are very familiar, very into fitness. The same approach. Very, you have to be like a science. You have to be very big on the macros, your protein, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then more as we get into it, the carbohydrates. When do you reduce them? When do you increase them? But before I get into all that, so one of the videos I did that's recently on social was why cutting weight sucks. And it got a lot of traction because there's either there's, it's a very polarizing topic. It's so interesting you bring it up, uh, but I wanted to bring attention. I'm very, to I'm very intrigued by this stuff. You know, I yeah. love, I love. This so in stuff. our, yeah, in our industry, it's a very popular topic. It's a very controversial topic. You have the um, traditionalists, and then you have like the innovators. I would like to say I'm a, I, I'm in the middle. I I believe in old school values with new school technology. So traditionalist being like weight cutting is gonna teach them how to be tough, and then new new values being 
we're going to we're going to teach them how to diet appropriately and hydrate appropriately so then we can get them down to that said weight class. And you're kind of in the middle where it's like you want to learn you you, you want to learn you know the traditional values of of the discipline knowing like all right you have a regimen you got to stick to it and it's going to suck. But we want to make sure that we're doing it properly so that we don't completely de- you know deplete you of all the nutrients that you need and then you go out there and you can't perform. You can't do what you're asking your body. Your body can't do what you're asking it to do because you have no nutrition in there. Yeah, and we can reinforce those values. It doesn't have to be extreme um, weight cutting to reinforce values like discipline, consistency, hard work. You got gentlemen are familiar with that. These are the building blocks of anything you want to do. And that's why I'm so passionate about coaching and wrestling and why I promote it so much. And Because we, we view it, our program, as a vehicle to be successful in life. So... You could use a lot of different things, but wrestling is just one way that we can teach a person, a young man, to learn how to be disciplined, manage time, all the things that make us successful in our careers. We're just going to use those lessons and we're going to make sure they see the, how it can help them after graduation in, in life, yes. long term, long term. And uh, you're an athlete yourself with the basketball background, do you feel you learned like a lot of those things from basketball? I a student athlete. I say it quite a bit that being Get involved. I love it. Passing around. I know. I, I say it quite a bit that sports are a great learning experience for later on in life. Mm. Okay. It teaches a lot of things and a lot of values that you need in order to be successful Later on in life, which is why I tell my wife, and we're both in agreement with this. She had, she wasn't an athlete, but she agrees with me with sports because I've told her all the experiences I have. And this is why we're in agreement that when we have kids, they will be in sports. We will put them in every single sport, and whichever one they they love the most, they'll yeah, we'll go with that. But the point being that it teaches you how to be part of a team. Okay, it teaches you how to be coachable. It teaches you the reward of hard work. Yeah. It teaches you discipline. It teaches you character. It teaches you a lot of things. It teaches you how to handle pressure, how to handle frustrations when things aren't going well. It teaches you a lot of these things that you need to be successful later on in life. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you feel about that, Eric? I mean, I think it's just a... Who's interviewing uh, who here? This is. He's the guy. He's asking us. It's great. I got well, it. I got it. And I'm going to connect it. I want to. Okay. I want to see what you. Well, guys you know, you see him on the lives and stuff in the podcasts. You know, he's always uh, interactive, but uh, which I appreciate. But no, I think it's it's very similar to what you guys are saying. It's it's a pillar. Like I'm not going to have kids and just let them be couch potatoes and just gain up a lot of screen time. They will be in sports whether it's a guy or a girl whether it's cheerleading baseball softball basketball football whatever it is because the biggest thing for me it teaches you discipline you have to be you have to be there at a certain time you have to listen to somebody you have to follow an authority figure you have to learn these uh avenues besides learning from your parents you have to learn uh, how to listen to other people whether authority figure or your peers and it's just a I've always noticed people who played sports and who haven't played sports and how they develop as human beings and as adults because it's a it's a huge difference. Like you you have someone who's a loner who doesn't play sports, you know, in life they're going to take a way different path and interact with people way differently than people that are who play basketball, softball, whatever, and they understand I'm not always the most important person in the room, you know. It's about us mm-hmm. as a collective unit. So, 100%. And I, there's actually something I want to add that it also teaches you or, or also 
enables you or gives you or for lack of, it provides you, let's put it that way. Being part of a team provides you with the camaraderie and the, for lack of a better term, automatic friendship, if you will, right? Because when I went to college, first thing you step, the first day you step foot in college, you don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. You are starting from all the friends that you've been hanging out with for the last 18 years, unless they came with you, you don't know anybody. Yeah. But if you're part of a team, you instantly walk in and you have a group that you're part of, right? You've probably been there. Prior to the rest of school showing up, you've probably there for a couple of weeks because you had orientation with, for me, basketball. So when I first got on campus, I had a group of 20 guys that were instant friends. So it, it gives you that, you know, it, there's no, um, you're not afraid to make friends. You already have a group that you're in. You're in. You got I call it, it the, yeah. the built-in network. Yes, thank you. You're, I call it's it a built-in network. Kids. Yeah, but they're not. They're so true. Athletes. I call, it's a built-in network. So the similarities with um, – and I agree definitely with what you're saying with the discipline and the routine. I, I this Basketball and wrestling start simultaneously. So yep. um, it's a two-semester sport when we're talking about the collegiate level. Which I will add that it actually is the longest. These sports that are those winter sports, they're the longest of all the high school sports. Mm. I will say this. So – and these are conversations I've had with, like, other colleagues in ba- basketball. And I was telling you earlier how I'm trying to always grab information from other coaches, see what they're doing, even if it's not wrestling. So you can't – I'm a big believer of, like, I, if you're fo- too close to something, you can't see everything. You have blind spots. That's why I try to talk to different people and get a, grab a little bit of info, even if they're not a wrestling coach, because there's some – they're seeing it from a different perspective. It could be something I use or something I disregard, but – I'm always trying to talk, but we always we say exactly that. You know, it starts in October, so usually if the wrestlers or the basketball players get on campus, there is that time. Maybe there's some preseason type of workouts, open gym. The guys are shooting around. We would see a, the wrestlers are doing like some sort of running or strength and conditioning. But yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna build those relationships with those guys um, from the jump. And there is not a better thing that I could say in society today that a young man can do than join a sports team. Build those relationships and like get out in front of the screen, right? Um, I look at the phone. I look at social media. It's a tool, like yes. how I, you're picking up a hammer to do a nail, or the screwdriver. That's it. You want to try to pick it up and use it with a purpose. And um, obviously, children, there's got to be limits, right? Kids, but for us, the adults, the older crowd here, yeah. <laughs> they. We got to utilize it, and it's a great tool, and there's a lot of things you can do to leverage your time and be effective as a professional, but you can you got to be careful with it. It's a you dangerous. You can get sucked in. It's a slippery yeah. slope. Yep. 100%. Even, and you guys know, so, like, if I catch myself, like, one thing I picked up um, from Eric is, like, you guys do a great job interacting with accounts. You interact with a lot of your accounts, so what I've been trying to do is interact more. Mm-hmm. And I built so many great relationships, and without it, social media on the flip side, I wouldn't have built a lot of these great relationships. People from the West Coast, mm. the South, I from mean, all over. It's we have people from Europe, from China. You, from you, mean, like, you, you just saw us before. We were just Facetiming, you know, someone who, who just won our our website giveaway. Mm-hmm. We have never met him in person. You know, he's been a day one supporter of the podcast, but we've talked so much on social media between Justin and I. You know, I had no problem just calling the guy and being like, hey, man, you won. And he called me back and he was like, fucking awesome. And yeah. It was just like that relationship. But yep. I learned that a long time ago when we first started doing social media. 
Um, it was Gary Vaynerchuk. It was another dude. I think he, he had the, the dollar eighty strategy. The dollar eighty strategy. Yep. Even before Gary, there was this guy Minority Mindset, and he was big into. Heard of him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's uh. He's still know, around, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's like a Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern guy. Um, but he was like one of the first like virtual PDFs that I downloaded for regarding social media, and I learned mm-hmm. a lot from him about just if you have. Uh, a passion if you have an occupation where you can utilize social media which is basically almost everything you want to be able to utilize the people that are viewing commenting engaging because that's just building your network even more you never know what those people are watching listening you talk to them what they have what their experience what they can do and that's how you know we we leverage relationships yeah there's actually um you were mentioning about you know how you can you get sucked into this you know the social media and and you can kind of create sometimes these bad habits and you try to go into, if you're going to use social media, do it with a purpose. Like I'm, I'm going on to comment and engage and all these things. And that kind of goes back to, we had mentioned on the show about um, how bad habits form in the empty spaces on your calendar. Mm-hmm. Right. We had said this, I don't even remember what episode. It's a long time ago. Right. But we had said bad habits form in the empty spaces on your calendar. So going back to sports, Sports, I've always said that when you're involved in sports, right? Let's say you know, when I was in high school, I was in, you know, I was tr- trying to be a good student in, in the, you know, the advanced classes. I was trying, I was in band. I was also an athlete. I had a lot of shit going on. I didn't have time to get in trouble. I didn't have time to form bad habits because I didn't have much downtime. If you're in sports, you got shit every day. You got practice. You got this. You got that. You got to make sure your homework's done, right? So when you have all of these things that are scheduled in your calendar, I'm making a post, you don't have time to form the bad habits and you don't have Multiple time fans. to get into trouble. So I always thought, I always said that sports keep you out of trouble. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that too. Um, an idle mind is a devil's playground, right? Mm. One of our. Um, Say that again. An idle mind. Is a devil's playground. An idle mind is a devil's playground. I feel like I've definitely heard a similar saying that before. I feel yeah. like I feel like it's with the Coach Coco twist. Damn, that's like from the, the, the abbreviated book, outwitting the devil. That's exactly what I was going to say. Outwitting the devil. And that a was drifter. the one you guys reviewed, right? or you had the author great on. Book. That was a great, great oh, yeah. book, Jose that's Ramon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was a big fan of that. Yeah, so that no, that He's was a big a, mindset. That was a different book, but story. same same principle, same, same principle. Yeah. The book, oh, right, I, right. You know, we can't have Napoleon Hill on, but um, <laughs> Outwitting the Devil was a great book where they talk about that, where if you you become a, uh, a wanderer or a drifter, he calls it a drifter, where you drift through life, never amounting to anything, never going after anything, never, you know, always fearing failure or fearing uh, success or fearing this or fearing that, whatever the, whatever the case may be. They talk about how the devil infiltrates your mind by putting fear into something, into you, and then you never go after your dreams and you become a drifter. Mm-hmm. So it's the same same principle as idle mind is a, is a devil's playground. Nick, where did you like uh, develop this whole mindset, you know, to, you know, overcome uh, stra- uh, obstacles, overcome, you know, adversities where you know, where did you develop that that mindset of, you know, just saying no matter what's in my face, I'm just going to get it done. That's that's a great question, Eric. So I want you talked about the habits, Justin was talking about the habits. So on our program um, in our in the hunter program we we that's one of our values so like phil jackson had his um values mm-hmm. our program has values one of the ones we want to reinforce is um good habits and this would be one of our five type of themes think of them as themes and these are the ones that we want to reinforce so promoting good habits right and then to answer your question about like resiliency adversity um i'm a big believer in uh as as 
people follow me on social. I love Rocky. Oh, yeah. I love the get the get down seven, get up eight. You know, I'm a big believer in the underdog and never giving up. And I actually partner with a company. It's called Wrestling Mindset. They are uh, all over. Um, work pretty much with hundreds and athletes. Tr- tremendous programs. Big Ten, Division One wrestling teams. Great wrestlers and. Through their training, I've learned a lot about uh, mindset and sports performance, and we have a great relationship, and it's awesome uh, working with them and working for them, and they have a, a huge following, and so I've learned a lot a, a lot of the um, technical and the exercises and worksheets through them, and even Joe Rogan has mentioned them on his podcast, so I have a great relationship with these guys, and they're out based in Jersey, but we pretty much have mindset coaches all over the country, so... I do a lot of consulting with uh, athletes, wrestlers, mm-hmm. and one of the things I'm going to start getting into is consulting teams. So say, um, you know, there's a, a program in uh, Wichita, Kansas. We're going to use a random place. I could be, I'm going to help their program build mindset and training. So I've, I've learned a lot of the technicalities and the actual mm. um, stuff. But as a wrestler, you know, you're going to develop these principles by default, right? Because... In the beginning, just like anything, you know, you're going to get knocked down a lot before you get really good. And so you're going to learn, you're going to have to learn to deal with adversity um, right away. And wrestling is a different type of sport. The, the, the best part is that you got no one else to blame. The worst part is you got no one else to blame. Mm. It's, just so, like, it's just like golf. Wow. So I, that's just good, like that's golf. Good, that's a good point. Yep. And that's and I'm I'm happy you mentioned golf. So um, that's why I love that's why I love golf so much is because it's just it's it's you against you. It's a very mental. It's a very mindset oriented sport. I think it's a uh, a great way, a great great way to for older athletes, people who are still looking to be active, to be active. <laughs> Legit. It's so funny you say that because there's coaches, a, there's, guys. I want to yeah. There's a meme that always goes around that says. Um, to all, uh, to all the my ex D three athletes, how's your golf game going? <laughs> because it's so true how it's like you know you're you know you're an athlete, but then you still want the competitiveness, and you know there's still you know I was playing in some men's leagues for quite some time, and then COVID hit, and I kind of stopped playing, but we wound up winning the championship before that happened, so I went out a winner, but. Basketball? Basketball, yeah. yeah so but you're playing in men's leagues, and you're kind of, you know, sometimes you get some of the, the leagues that are just not – you get some very competitive leagues. There are still some very competitive leagues. So, But then once you kind of get to, you know, you're getting to the 35, 40, 45, 50, right, you don't have a 45-inch vertical. You're not running a 4, 5, 40 anymore, right? At 50 years old, it, you know, your body is taking a little bit of a toll. You can't – you, you don't right. have the – you're not as limber a, a, as you once were. So that's why I think golf is so great because you can play golf until you're fucking 100. Right. It is so – it's a low-impact sport, right? It's – I played against a guy who couldn't hit the ball more than 200 yards and he shot a fucking 78, which for those that don't play golf is a is a, is a good score. Fucking great Absolutely. score. Okay, that is a good score. The average golfer shoots like 95 to 105, okay? So he shot a 78. And the guy was like 80. So for kids, you know, for young people growing up in you know, either high school or college, you know, what do you what would you usually tell a kid? Like if they're trying to play football, basketball, wrestling, you know, what is the reason why they should choose wrestling as opposed to some other, other sports? I believe that 
the athlete, the individual has to, thank you, has to make a choice, right? So um, it depends on the age. If we're talking like 11th and 12th grade, it's good to special. It's it's good to start specializing in one or two sports max. I'm a big believer when the kids are young, when the five, six, elementary age, have them do everything, have them try everything, mm-hmm. have them develop. I'm going to put my kids in specifically gymnastics and wrestling from the jump. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you said that. Did you did you see that on Instagram? I happen to just see a guy who spoke about that very thing. He said, "I'm going to put my kids in gymnastics it's- at a young age." He says, because gymnastics develops flexibility, it develops strength, there's no weight lifting, it is just body weight, you develop control of your body, you learn how to manipulate your body in all these different ways, and then put them in every single sport possible. Then they'll have they'll know and be aware about how they can maneuver their body in all these different ways, and whichever one they excel out the most, go hundred percent in on that. That's like sometimes you see professional running backs. I've seen this with a few running backs, maybe other positions in football, but there'll be professional running backs or even collegiate running backs. They take dancing lessons for their footwork. Mm-hmm. For the footwork. And you That's know, why a lot of them play soccer, too. It's like this kind of like the same thing. Like I would never thought about starting kids in gymnastics super young, but it makes sense when you're when you're in football and even wide receivers, it's all out about footwork. You know, what's way to, what's a good way besides football practice to enhance that? It's dance yep. lessons. It That's why um, Steve Nash so that's why Steve Nash. He was for those who don't know Steve Nash. Steve Nash is one of the best point guards to ever play basketball. Better right? know Steve Nash. You better know Steve Nash, the Canadian, right? He actually <laughs> the adults he, only. <laughs> he had phenomenal footwork, and it's because he played soccer, right? He and and Ocho Cinco, another guy, played soccer. Awesome. That's why they have such great footwork in whatever sport they do, and that's a great thing. Important dance is another way to do that. So how does how does gymnastics correlate with? I know we kind of just discussed yeah. it, but specifically, how does gymnastics correlate with wrestling so so you guys know like when i went to brockport like my education background is physical education kinesiology mm-hmm. sports physiology those the really ins and outs and the intricacies of like anatomy physiology so yeah, using one's body yeah kinesi- yeah and and you get and yours even um we've done classes where we're integrating like physics like like kinetics is physics and movement so long story short, I've had a lot of time to study this. I've had to do a lot of research, things like that when I was a student and still now, essentially, as in a professional. But the, the gymnastics builds spatial and body awareness. It builds awareness of one's limbs to the um, space. And there's not a better thing for a kid to do to learn how to move their body within space, how to fall properly, how to forward roll. We incorporate our program, Hunter, a lot of gymnastics type movements, even though they're older, to build that athleticism, handstands and cartwheels. Very, um, we use that in our strength and conditioning in our warm up. And because even as the athlete is older, I'm working primarily with 18, 23 years old, 23 year olds, it helps their body really develop those muscles. We'll use that. Mostly, yeah, yeah, that you're not typically going to get from your traditional traditional big three. Yeah, not the beach muscles, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we were talking. You were saying that I've always thought that. Um, I also want my kids to do like a judo, jiu-jitsu. I'm also have been a practitioner for a long time. I'm currently like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt. Oh, which, really? Okay. So I've I've trained a lot um, of grappling in general, the grappling arts, judo, jiu-jitsu, and obviously wrestling. So. I utilize those as more of a way. One, I, I love them. They're different than wrestling, but I try to learn things from them and then bring them to our sport. Remember we were talking about the division thing earlier? 
about like the Italians and the whole yeah, thing. Okay. There's the same thing in the grappling arts. So wrestlers think they're better than jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu thinks they're... I don't think anything same. trumps jiu-jitsu, BJJ, okay? That's just my personal... I, I don't... I'm not familiar with the, the combat arts, but like... It's like the martial basketball, arts. football. Like, oh, our sport... There's this... What, and there, I think it hurts. Because grappling is grappling. Like, so wrestling and jiu-jitsu, think of them as like cousins. There's moves in wrestling that they do in jiu-jitsu and jiu-jitsu... And so if we learn to blend these together and not have huge, massive egos for no reason, we can, like, accelerate these sports in the that's, combat sports. That's why, like, UFC fighters who have a real good background in jiu-jitsu and wrestling do really well, I believe. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I feel like... Well, it's like, you know, the ones that, you know, the boxers that they have such a background in boxing, they try to stay on their feet because they don't have the, the expertise in ground game. Wow. But then the ones that have the ground game, the expertise that aren't really boxers, they try to get you on the ground, try They're, to play to your strengths, right? There's more UFC champions who are former wrestlers than any other martial arts. So, um, since 1993, when the UFC started, 30 Brock, years. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> if you look at a lot of the guys um, who are champions, Randy Couture, some of these former UFC, they're, they have Division One wrestling experience, most likely, somewhere in their accolades. Now, we're starting to see, and this isn't an MMA podcast, but you're starting to see more strikers um they're starting to dominate a little bit the kickboxers. Do you, do you think do you think that has anything to do with the trend of sports and what I mean by that is sports have become an offensive game. Right? They've become an offensive game. There's a reason why scores in NBA are 130 to 110 whereas if you go 30 years ago it was 85 to 80, okay? Back then it was defense. It was a defensive game. Yeah. Nowadays, it's an offensive game. Offense sells tickets. Defense wins championships, right? Same thing with, you know, that's why there's all these these flags and there's all these fouls. And there's all, and the scoring and the offense has gotten so much. Uh, um, I have an insane theory about this. Okay. So do, you, so do you think. Keep, keep, keep that yeah, thought. So, so my question, do you think that the UFC is leaning towards that because. Nobody wants to see a, you know, a, 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 K, a, a KO by submission. They want to see somebody's head get kicked in yeah. because that's what sells tickets, right? They want to see somebody come in with a flying knee, knock the guy out in 30 seconds. That sells tickets. They don't want to see it go for five rounds and it's a split decision. That's why Floyd Mayweather was such a boring fighter because he was so defensive but he went what fifty two and zero. He won. He won matches. Now, granted, there's a lot of politics involved and stuff like that. But do you think that that trend of it's become like offense sells tickets? Do you think that's why a lot of things are becoming more of the strike and not the ground game? There's a lot of moving parts. I'm a big believer in like uh, offense wins championships. Like the old, uh, you know, best best defense is a good offense. Okay, keep it simple. I'm a big believer in that as a coach. Um, we're not going to win championships sitting back and wrestling, right? We need to go. We have to have what I would call an attack mindset. We need to score points. Just like how you would say to a basketball player, yo, we need to put points on the board. Same kind. No, you're right. At the end of the day, you're right. You so need that's to put kind more of, points than they do. You're right. We keep that in perspective. Um, you're talking specifically about the MMA thing. We'll start with that. I believe that wrestlers now, back in, we'll use the 2008, 2010 timeframe, you had Daniel Cormier, you had Ben Askren, you had um, really phenomenal um, international senior level wrestlers. And at the time, there was not a lot of money in wrestling. There's, there still is limited funds, mm -hmm. but it has improved tremendously since, I'd say, 2012 to now, past decade or so. 
thanks to an athlete. His name's Jordan Burroughs. He was a two-time gold medalist. He really helped um, propel the sport, um, specifically this wrestler. But prior, they really didn't have an avenue. So if you didn't make the Olympics, you went to MMA because there was money. Yeah, or you went to the WWE. Right. <laughs> like Kurt Angle. And we're seeing – so now <laughs> what's happening, Justin, is a lot of wrestlers, elite-level college Division One wrestlers, they're not making the MMA jump because they're being incentivized to stay in our sport wrestling. So not to get lost into the weeds. So wrestling programs now have these things called RTCs, regional training centers, where a senior level athlete, say they're 24, 25, they just graduated undergrad. They can train now at this center and be funded. Um, so like there's paid? Yeah, and there's stipends, and there's just more money in the sport. So wrestlers back in the day, and really, it's insane that 08 is back in the day. Fucking crazy. It was. was. What, 15 years ago, man. It's 15 years ago. And we're in this, like, multitude effect, and it's because of social media. It's because of technology. Things are changing and advancing. But anyway, I really believe that they were seeing more wrestlers stay in wrestling. They're still coming into MMA, the Bellator MMA, UFC, um, PFL. But primarily from a spectator perspective, there's less because there's more money in wrestling. Other sports, we'll use um, basketball and soccer. So I saw a great um, infograph that showed like um, where shots on the court were taken 20 years ago compared to now. Yeah. Everything's out was uh, inside in the paint. Everything's on the outside. I believe that this is due to technology because we view, we consume sports differently now. This is a big I think because we consume the highlights. And because we can only watch clips, it has also evolved the spectator's experience. That's why baseball viewership, if we want to get into that, I think that has a major part is the technology, the refinement. And um, if you really want to get crazy, we can look at certain brands, some big brands, how their logos have changed. Some of our favorite brands from coffee to clothing. Yeah. They become very um, refined, let's say. Yeah, modernized, and, modernized, and simple, and yep. So I believe there's a connection with all this. If you if, and I hope I didn't lose anyone in this. No, I got you. I so, got you. I'm following. Oh no, I mean it makes. I think it makes a lot of sense because with today's day and age, everything is so instant. Everything is instant gratification. It, it, it you got to catch someone's eye. A tweet, tweet. You got to yeah. catch someone's eye instantly because you know why? A finger scroll, uh, a swipe. There's Three something. Seconds. There's something better. So you have to really gain someone's attention very quickly so i think it makes total sense and i think if you're not if you're a company if you're a coach or whatever you're doing if you're not trying to gain someone's attention instantly then you're going to be missing out on a whole lot of market share because that's 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 where we're at in today's age mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that's that's definitely. where the clickbait strategy yeah. comes in right yeah. that's you know that's isn't that such a shame the, and you know what's funny is is it is a shame it is a shame because you're it's it's a scam, basically. You're putting something up, say, "Hey, click me," and then they click it, and it's not really what you. But it's all, you're almost being forced to do that because otherwise, oh. people aren't going to click. If you go on YouTube, you just see so many clip arts and titles being like, "I jumped out of a plane," or "Or my plane was crash- crashing." So, like, I just watched this documentary about how this outdoor, you know, <coughs> uh, like uh, adrenaline junkie essentially crashed his plane. Push your golf. What? I think you should golf. Yeah. <laughs> nah. I mean, I, I try to golf as much as I can. But. The, the adrenaline junkie. We should yeah. get him on the golf yeah. game. Save, he, save he his life. It. He would need, this yeah, guy, exactly. he's, he's actually exactly. in jail. This guy's actually in jail now. But uh, I forgot his name. But he was like on Nitro Circus and all this stuff. But Nitro Circus. Holy yeah, shit. with Travis Pastrana and stuff. Holy shit. He, he crashed his plane 
on purpose because you know he people were gonna he knew people were gonna click it. So like there was all these like aviator professionals like reviewing his video, whatever the flight, the government agency for the uh, for planes reviewed him, and he ended up going to jail because he made this viral video of him yeah. jumping out of a plane, even though the plane was nothing wrong. He crashed it, and it's stuff like that. Like even even for us, uh, one of our most downloaded episodes on the podcast here is the title is uh, um, uh, what is it? It's uh, John Daly and Bert Kreischer. But where we just talk about them, but it just says burn down podcast, Bert Kreischer and John Daly. And it has a lot of downloads. And I'm just thinking because people see that and they're yep. like, oh, they they must be on the podcast. Let me listen to it. And there was no intention of clickbaiting, but that's that's my philosophy. You go everywhere. Everything's clickbait. But you know, it's interesting that you bring up a, a good point where the guy, you know, intentionally crashed the plane because he gets views and he thought it'd be good for the viewership. It reminds me of a movie called Nerve. Have you ever seen the movie Nerve? No. You might you might have seen it, but not familiar with the title. But the movie was about there was an app that people could download, and it like dared you to do things. And the more things that you did, then the more points you would get, and the more viewers you would watch, and the more money you would make. Uh. And every dare that you did got more intense and more intense and more intense. And it got to the point. Like getting paid to be jackass. Like it would dare. It would be like, oh, uh, you'd click it and you say truth or dare. It was a truth or dare app or something like that. You'd say dare. They would say, oh, I dare you to uh, run across 58th Street naked. And you'd have to film yourself. So you would go live and you would do it. And then people would be like, oh, that's awesome. And they would like it. And you would and you would, you would go to the next. I'm surprised that's actually not a real thing So you now. go to the. Well, here's, the, right? here's what I'm getting at. You go to the next level, right? And the next level will be a little bit more. Be like, all right, well, jump out of a two-story building. And like, okay. And you would do that. And the next level will be, you know, ride a motorcycle wrong direction. And you would do it. And it got so crazy because people were craving the attention and the viewership and the likes that at the end of the movie – it said, I dare you to kill someone. And the guy had to, like, in order to, to get to the next level, he had to kill somebody. And, you know, that, no, I, never and it's, you I never know, heard this movie. It's, it's a crazy movie, but it gets to your point where people are, you know, they're, they're craving this attention and they're craving this approval from their peers, which is what Instagram and all these things are. You want to get the likes. And you feel satisfied. You feel better about yourself because you're getting likes from people that don't even matter. And it's forcing people to do these crazy fucking things. And it's like, when is it? When is it too much? Right? Where do you draw the, the guy, line? Where do you draw the line? Do you draw the line of crashing your fucking plane? Speaking of crashing, my cigar is crashing right now. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Crazy man, I, it is. I believe we have to talk to, like. The up and coming generation, we have to talk to like what I do with the wrestlers is, you know, social is a tool. So if you're an athlete now, you could use it to get recruited. You can use it to put yourself in front of the audience you want to. And it, again, it goes back to that tool point. But if you base your self-worth and self-esteem on, thank you, external validation, likes, messages, um, you're in for a rude awakening. So yeah. let's you need to talk to these young people about the dangers about the power with great power comes great responsibility i had a professor tell me that in college as a coach was it uncle ben it should have been (laughs) (laughs) but it's the truth and because we need to talk about these uh the perils of this because if you're basing your whole self-worth and how you feel about yourself on a like 
the problem is that people can't separate themselves from the phone to reality who mm-hmm. they actually are you know and i also am a big believer in this it's i want to see people do well i want them to be successful but i believe that you can't get on there and get started until you actually have gained the uh the skill and the expertise because then you're just kind of you're creating content with no just a tiktok no purpose you know and before yeah. and obviously speaking to you guys and speaking to other people i'm close with they're like you know you could just do this on social media right like you just post the things you so that's essentially what i've done is a lot of my coaching philosophies and things i'm i'm just sharing who i've already been and it's just it's not really hard for me to create content because right. yeah. i've already been on this tip since day one you've already acquired all of the knowledge and now it's like i don't have to try to be somebody that I'm not. Yeah. I don't I have think, to put on a facade. I, this is who I am. I'm just trying to post it. To, I also, but you have a purpose, though. Excuse me. You have a purpose because you're not posting it to get the likes. You're posting it to help other people. The intention is if I can help somebody, you know, whether it's learning how to how to perform a takedown, okay, you're teaching them something. It's a good YouTube title. Right? Yeah. How to, that's, a, that's one that I've used. But you're, teach, <laughs> you're teaching them something. You're educating them in, in a sport, which hopefully is going to help them be successful later on. So you're, you're going in with a purpose. You're not going in to try to get likes. If you get likes, then it helps the algorithm. And it helps you reach more people, which is essentially what we're trying to do is we try to post awesome. content so that we can – reach more people so we can grow our following so that we can help more people that that's the that's the, the cycle right bring more people you post together. stuff so that you can reach more people so you can grow your following so that you can help more people so you post more stuff to help more people and then you grow it and you keep that's you know, the cycle you know it's one thing i love about uh social is like back in the day right you needed a record deal to get started mm-hmm. you needed a publishing house to help you write a book you needed a, a record deal to do a podcast, radio, right? You need to get that. You need to go to Motown or wherever in New York City. Not anymore. Not anymore. And I think that it's an awesome. There's a lot of, and we were taught, and I got to be honest, there's a lot of like dismal, very um, self-defeative, self-sabotaging mentality right now in the world, especially with young men, young people in general. And um, first of all, it's not based in reality because this is the greatest time to be alive. Sure. You can press a button and we can get the Uber here and we can go out into Manhattan tonight. Yep. We could uh, get some food dropped off right on the phone and have some pizzas after this. So our, we are living in a time of opportunity, great opportunity. It's just a, ma- it's just a matter of people going to take the advantage of it with their given industry. They're given, and everyone has a talent. Everyone has something that they're already specialized in from schooling, from maybe a family business. It's just honing that. And I, and I, I just have to dismiss the old like negativity. World is ending. That's got to go. Yeah. That, and that has no place for the vino, the stogies, it's, the burn down. But that's, Coach that's Coco. It's, there's no room for that. That's the victim mentality, right? You can either be a victim or a victor. You know what it's I'm important saying? Important on the mat and on the field. And that's, on the that's with everything. That's with yeah. with, with life. life. You can either be a victim or a victor. Okay. You can you can say woe is me, and it's the worst time to be alive, and this sucks, and that sucks. I'm never gonna do this. I'm never gonna do that. Or you can just you know, grab the shit by the freaking cojones and and do something about it, right? You either complain about it, which doesn't do shit, or you can do something about yeah. it. Grab, you know, seize the day, take the opportunity at hand, carpe diem, right, and become a victor in your life. So, mm-hmm. carpe diem. Yeah, you got to go forward. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things, and you were asking me the question earlier. Um, 
you could you can be a uh, you could either be a product of your environment or your environment could be a product of you. Like you yes, need sir. you need to be the person who's um, we're talking about social media, so perception is reality, right? And so obviously, yeah, people aren't always what they post about. You could seem right? to be an authority, and then I can watch it on wrestling, and I can be like, why is that guy's elbow out? And like his video, super sickly edited, and you know looks like, phenomenal. Who's that I'm freaking like, guy that teaches the self defense? He always he wears all the freaking padding. And he tells you like how oh, to beat somebody with a that's hilarious. And I'm like, and then there's a guy that he'll like, oh, this is what you got to do. You got to pin the arm and grab the seatbelt and whatever. And then there's somebody that that shows like the real world scenario. It's just like complete, uh, that's, and it's that just, just so it's so wrong. Right? And that's to your point is these guys come on and they pretend to be. Like an expert, and go. You're not helping anybody. If any, if anything, you're hurting them because that's not really what's going to happen. Not only hurting them, but you're just losing credibility of how ridiculous you seem. Yeah, it's 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 just it's it's completely false. It's just not what actually happens. There's a lot of people without um, like any experience, and then in that regard, like the best self defense. The best coach is going to tell you to not uh, not be there in the first place. It's you to know, avoid the f- it's so funny that you bring up the self defense because I had there was a gym that I used to go to, and I'll shout them out. It was called Ultimate Gym. It was in Hicksville, and it was a hole in the wall gym. Uh, no, no, you know, knock on them. Hole in the wall meaning a good term because it wasn't like big right. Marquee. It means it was legit. Yeah, it wasn't a big marquee name. It was like you went there to grind. It was iron. Tough like, you're, gym. You're lifting Rocky. iron. Okay, yeah. 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 Like Tough you gym. ever see like you know <laughs> uh, an iron. Arnold's old. Uh, uh, um, uh, those, are the gyms you, those are the gyms you want to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah like just yeah, just metals, yeah, exactly. Weights clanging, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's and awesome. They, and they had a um, a defense course called Impact, which was an acronym for something. But he always says the first. He goes, your main goal in self defense. He goes, somebody jumps you. They have a gun. They have a knife. Whatever. They have not. They ju- they they jump you. And he goes, your main goal is to get out of there alive. He goes, your main goal is to get back to your family. He said, if somebody jumps you and says, give me all your money, you give them your fucking money. He goes, you try to make it as simple as possible. He goes, the the first thing is, this is the first thing I'm going to teach you about self-defense. He goes, it has nothing to do with moves. I'm not going to teach you how to get the gun. He goes, I'm going to teach you how to defuse the situation. Somebody comes up and says, give me all your money. You give them all your money. And they might walk away. And then great. You're alive. You get to go back to your wife and kids. If they say, give me your phone, you give them your phone. They might walk away. Great. You get to go back to your wife and kids. It has nothing. You're not going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. He goes, worst case scenario, if you do all that and then they're still there, he goes, then I will teach you how to you know, do these things. But you're trying to defuse the situation. Get home. If you can run, run. He goes, if they don't have a gun, if they haven't, run. Take off, gone. He goes, your goal is to get back to your wife and kids. Money is money. A phone is phone. Wallet's wallet, whatever keys to your car you can always get a fucking another one get right. home to your wife and kids that's why you got insurance and i go that's a beautiful thing to teach people because just if you can run take off because if it's a big fat guy and you can outrun him gone yeah. see you later as long as you're not with you know you can't leave your wife and kids there but it's just a great people don't teach that they the guys on youtube oh i'm going to teach you how to do this no no no, no. he wants my money here take my money sure you know my wedding ring take my wedding fine i'll, I'll get another one okay i'll have it blessed by a priest again I'll get, it's i want to get home to my wife and kids I don't have, but that's the goal. Right? Hypothetical kids. But you know, but it's 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 a shame that people try to teach you all the it's it goes back to the flesh. They want the flesh, they want the knockout they want the punch, they, they want, want the views, you know, they that's the what they want. But that's that's not you know how many times it's like you see a situation happen or it's like where your point, don't get involved in the situation. If I see two guys fighting at a bar, I don't 
cool. Go ahead. I'm out. Honey, we're leaving. Gone. You finish my old fashioned and get out. Gone. I'm not getting involved. I don't care. Doesn't doesn't bother me. See you later. Life is uh life is full of choices. Um, because people are so distracted now, there's like a very big aware, aware like lack of self awareness, and um, like where you are, what what's your location, what's your status, and um, just making like basic uh, appropriate choices. Like, do you really need to go to the gas station at one thirty, or could it wait till the morning? Yeah. So, like as men, right. sometimes we're so fixated on like doing things. Sometimes we got to check ourselves. Right? Yeah, like, that's, why yo, we we don't, that's why we have wives. Yeah, yeah, right? that too. Keep that's you in a check. Little breaker. Like what you said is, don't put yourself in those situations. There was another um, but gentleman who talked about it. Uh, um, the heck's his name? Um, he is a Jewish motivational speaker kind of guy into politics. Oh, what the fuck? Is so his I name? gotta give a can't not, remember his name. Not Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. It is Ben Shapiro. You forgot Ben Shapiro's President. name. Okay, it's Ben Shapiro. <laughs> but he talks about the. He makes it. He goes. Listen. He goes. You. Uh, you get robbed, right? You get robbed by a bunch of gang members or whatever. Um, is it right? Hundred percent, no. He goes. They should be, uh, um, they should be arrested and they should be held to the full extent of the law. He goes. That is a hundred percent wrong to rob somebody. However, yeah, 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 if you go walking down a dark alley in the wrong neighborhood in the middle of the night, waving a hundred dollar bill over your head, yep. don't be surprised when you get robbed. Yes. Prevention so, is the best form of medicine, fellas. Right? Don't Dang. put yourself you in bad situations, and then you won't get bad results. Because yes, shit happens, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like so. avoidance. Avoidance is the best safety. And obviously, I'm a big believer in like self defense. I've always trained the wrestling, martial arts. I'm a big fan, obviously. Like as a last resort, though, right? It's not, yeah. But the way they promote it is 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 all as awful. Like these accounts. My um, a little uh, mention. My my old jujitsu instructor, uh, Steve uh, Steven strangles people. He does hilarious videos on this. So like he'll discuss anything on the internet, like. Um, Fights that happen in a mall, fights that happen in a gas station. He does like breakdowns. This is like his niche. This is his thing. But I watch comedic videos or yeah, like, okay, documentaries, comedic. So it's all entertainment. Very similar to you guys with the spoofs. So I just like his take on this. He, he just he rip, he does a good job. At like the guy with the elbow pad, that guy we were yeah. making fun of earlier. But it's just funny because he's he's an absolute savage and like multiple Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. And if he's having the commentary, like. What are these guys doing? Yeah, you don't want to. He's be, the authority. Yeah, it's like the cigar, and it's funny how those guys that you know, somebody you'll you'll see the guys that are the the black belts in Brazilian in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, they'll tell you firsthand. They're like, I'm just I'm just gonna not if I don't have to. Well, isn't that the whole thing about martial arts? Is like you're not really supposed to use it unless you're put in a situation yes. until you need to use it, right? Isn't that the big right. philosophy? That's the whole, that's the the whole freaking Sun thing. That's, that's the whole yeah, thing, man. Good book. Good Great book. book. I have the book I'm in big, my library. I'm a big fan of that. Oh, we were talking about like, like the, like, yeah, Musashi the, and like, um, like the walking alone and then the five rings and those types of books, Machiavelli, like those, those books right there have helped. They've kind of, um, you said like influenced me early on. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite movie is the Bronx tale. Right. And in the movie, they're Great talking about Machiavelli. Movie. So I watched the movie, and as a kid, I go and take out a book on Machiavelli. That's when I knew I was like different from other kids because I'm sitting there reading Machiavelli in middle school, <laughs> and but not paying attention in actual school. That's, so that that takes uh, a special character for sure. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to learn about strategy from like day one, and I'm like a big art of war. Really believer about like uh, 
like autobiographies, right? Like I like like loved autobiographies, especially with the pictures, right? Forget about it. <laughs> but uh, there's again, it's always like trying to do things. Like uh, how did I get to this point? I was always trying to learn from like day one. Like it wasn't like I was never using something for. Like, yeah, there was times I read a fiction book, but for the most part, like, I'm trying to be like, how can I relate this to when I was an athlete? How can I relate this as a coach? And I think um, if you apply that, whatever you're going to do, you know, podcasts, social media videos, your career, like, you're going to be all right once you learn how, once you can get good at one thing, you can, you can get good at another thing. Sure. It's all mechanics, right? It's all like, um, like the, like with you, with the sales process, like, so maybe we're not selling technically, but we are in a way in wrestling. Yeah. They're but there, always. But there's a process. So we go through a funnel system like with our program. Like there's a – like we've actually discussed the process like step one, two, three, just like the sales process. So there's so much carryover with this stuff. And I think if you can learn to like connect those dots, you'll be all right. You know, you'll you'll do all right with whatever you're doing. And it's mostly mechanics like, uh, like the 80-20 rule. No, I mean, Pareto principle. Since yeah. we're, we're on this topic here. Yeah, yeah. I'm jumping around a bit too. No, now. you guys are rubbing off on me. No, no. Very down's rubbing off. This is what. This is what. This is. Let's get another cheers going yeah, one more no, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is a special honestly, moment. No, this, this is. is a, I, I, I I'm happy say, to be here with you, fellas. Yeah, I'll say that this, you this is here. a. Let me. Little chin chin. You can't cheers and then not drink. Chin I think that this is just such a great conversation. I'm very. I'm very interested in all of in all these these topics that we're going over and it's a wonderful conversation how we can just maneuver around and different go to different areas and stuff uh but i want to ask you like so you went you were a um division two brockport's division two three, three division three division three so you're a division three wrestler in brockport okay um rival school of ours at rit you graduate and what was your degree in you said you studied a few things. What was a physical education? Physical education, coaching. So, how did you go? Did you immediately go into like? I'm assuming you didn't just jump right into being the D1. Or, 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 is Hunter D1? Three, D3. Three. Okay, so I'm assuming you didn't um, jump from Brockport graduating right into Hunter College. Fun fact. Okay. Nick took the interview for Hunter coaching at my apartment. So okay. during the uh, Brad, was it the? Uh, one of the events, one of the events that we were Nick, just, we, me and Nick were outside having a cigar and he's like, hold on, I got to take this interview. This is a head coaching job. I'm like, all right, brother. Take <laughs> I it guarantee easy. that that cigar relaxed you very nice and easy. Take. So how did, definitely had a part in it. So how did you go from, you know, you graduate and then now you're Hunter, Hunter's uh, division three wrestling coach, head coach. How did, what was the, what was the jump like? Just, just like you fellas, you know, for the listeners, we've heard a lot about um, where you guys started, where you are now. Listen, I started from, first of all, when I was in college, I was a, a camp counselor. I was a wrestling camp counselor for Cornell Wrestling Camps right in Ithaca. So, Justin, a lot of the time at our campus, we were both in the same area, Justin and I. We went to school in Rochester, western New York, very far from here where we are in Long Island, but very um, not not the best place to be for a winter sport. I'll tell you getting, that. Uh, I'll tell you that right that now. That intercession, <laughs> that intercession, right when you're the only sports teams are you on are campus. The only people, I've never experienced that. Right, before. you know how everybody goes away for for Christmas break. Yeah, not you get you. you get three days and you're back on the 27th, yeah. and you don't have New Year's at home. You don't have two weeks off. 
you are back because there's a New Year's tournament and you are on campus in the freezing fucking cold with eight feet of snow and there's nobody and, there. And if, and if you could do that and your boss says, hey, you got to work an extra hour, you don't even bat an eye. Yeah, when you got to walk to practice and it's case, negative 10. Case, <laughs> in, case in point, sports, yeah, breed discipline. You know, you're a college kid. You want to party for New Year's. There was a lot of that nope. sacrifice. And you know what my gotta, coach did? You got, you got to sacrifice your time. You got to sacrifice being with your friends. It wasn't all. It was always all sunshine and rainbows. And right? I want. No. I'm. I, no, I can probably say that your coach did the same thing. But my coach, New Year's Day, and the day after yeah, Halloween, we had practice. Eight a.m. practice. Be there on the court, dressed and ready, 7.30. And if you weren't, you were running sprints. You were doing some kind of condition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my coach would turn. If you were late, my coach would turn the, the clock on and it would count up. And whatever time you showed up, whatever was on that, he would double it and it would count down. You would run for it. So if you were 15 minutes late to practice, he would double it, make it 30, and you would mm. run until it hit zero. And uh, my senior senior of football, (laughs) senior of football for two days, uh, you know, there was a big, big house party, like one of like a Project X party almost. Like invitations were going out. What a reference! Yeah, for the for the the mature audience. Did somebody (laughs) jump off a roof? (laughs) So it was. I love it. It was like it was like a summer bash, right? And the coaches got wind of it uh, that this party Uh this party was going down. So. The the coaches made an announcement the day the the day of the party the day before party saying hey. If we find out that you went to that party, or if you come, every up, right. if you come to practice late, or you're hungover, we will be doing. I don't know what the what what it suicides. Was, it wasn't suicides. It was <clears throat> something with bear crawls. It was oh. like a, remember like the remember like the Indian runs right where you with where bear you, crawls where you run and the person in the back has sprint the next person. In the we back used has, to do those. Yeah. So this is what those were huge bear crawls. So it's it brutal. It, and of course, kids went. I mean, I was probably, I think I was one of them went to the party, but I didn't get, I didn't get blasted. I know I had to wake up the practice. But when found out that if you're going to be the man at night, you better be the man in the morning. 100%. That's Not, a whole other topic. Moral story is that we found, the coaches found out that the kids were at the party and we had to do this Indian run, bear crawl style. And it was the fucking worst experience of my life. I've never forget like these huge, Big linemen going. I, and you have to plank. You have to plank. Everyone has to plank, and the, the person and all at the end crawl. has to crawl. Oh, and you yep. couldn't stop until the last kid was done. Sore had, for a week. Yeah, two oh. weeks. And it was like fifty some kids. Wow, dude, that that was talking about discipline and, and you know being put in your place and knowing you know when to consequences. Crawl consequences. I tell you, I tell you one of when I was in college, there was a. It was probably after Halloween. I had woke up and. This I did this once and I never did it again. I woke up late and I showed up like twenty minutes late to practice. And I I knew what was I knew the consequences and I was hungover as shit. And I showed up to practice. I just immediately started running, okay? Because I knew I'm like I'm gonna run. So I had to run for like forty fucking minutes. I ran. I was running so much. Turned into Coach Carter real quick. I was. <laughs> I let me tell you. Mature audience. I was running so much. Just around, you just run around the court. That I had to stop and go the other way because I was getting dizzy. And st- I, I tell you, no. when you want to talk about being dehydrated, I stopped sweating. Like the locos, I completely stopped sweating. The there was no, there was nothing coming out of my body anymore. After that practice, I went into my locker room and I took a, a towel and I just put it over my head 
and I sat in my locker for like a good 30 minutes. I just couldn't move. Yeah. There was nothing coming out of me anymore. I couldn't feel my fucking legs. My, I was so dehydrated. I just kept thinking to myself, I will never, ever make this mistake again. No doubt. Ever. No doubt. And I never did. I was, from that day on, I practice started at 8. I was there at like 6.45. Taking, getting shots. Because well, I was like, I will never be late again. <laughs> so, you know, staying on the topic of discipline and mindset and how you learn from your mistakes. Like, you obviously, go ahead. No, I just I just want to go back because Justin asked me. Like, oh yeah, how did you get into? Because I want people to understand. Remember that this. question. Yeah. Yes, please. I want people to understand. Like I started coaching youth wrestling, mm-hmm. elementary age students from camp, the bottom. Camp counselor. This was camp, at the camp, camp counselor. Yeah, yep. that was yeah that was youth high school. It was a mixed group, but first I'm doing that right. I'm learning from other. It was a great opportunity. I'm very grateful for that because that's a big program. That's big exposure. But also, um, once I graduated, you asked. I'm going to grad school. Okay, at the time I'm in graduate school and I'm coaching um, a modified team up in Western New York. So I'm learning from like I've done youth. I've done the modified. And then when I moved back down after I finished my master's degree, I was coaching at uh, the high school level, varsity, junior varsity, middle school. What high school? I was at a high school in section one up in up in Westchester. And then I was helping with the Clark Rams Club over here in Long Island, um, Levittown, East Meadow area. So, um, just staying local, you know, we have some really good, uh, my old college teammate, one of my great friends is a coach there and it's all, it's networking. It's no, knowing people, but before I even thought about a college opportunity, I was, I was never thinking about, yes, it was always in, uh, an end goal, but I wasn't, people want to get to the top. They want to skip steps. Mm. They want to skip, um, vital developmental steps. And um, you really can't. And if you do, even me, I, I, I was I was pretty young becoming a head coach. Right. And of course, like there's never a perfect time. I'll say there's never a perfect time for any opportunity. And there's going to be um, failure and there's going to be learning experiences. And you're going to fall down. But I believe you do. Like if you want to own the restaurant, like you better start as a busboy. Sure. I know you got to learn every aspect of the restaurant. But yeah. I know we were um, we were, we were criticizing society, so this is another critique. You cannot start in that position. From you need to put the time in with whatever education it is. You need to know the X's and O's. I love using that the X's, the doubles and singles, the Y. We got to know the Y. You can't coach today's athlete without knowing because they're going to look at you and be like, "Why are we doing this, coach?" So they are. They're going to ask you, and they grew up with the phone. And, and you need to have you the need answer. to be the phone. Yeah. yeah, you need to be Google. So you better know what you're talking about. It's like the cigars. Like you guys are an authority because you know you don't need a Google. You guys know you did the research with the blueprint. My point is, is that they want to start. They want to jump steps. And life does not work that way, baby. You cannot 100%. get. You cannot just look at. Uh, you know, I guarantee you the statistics of millionaires and billionaires. If you take a guy who had nothing, or a guy or a girl who had nothing and built something into themselves. As opposed to someone who had family money and was handed off an opportunity or a job or a business. Those people who were handed something are going to be way less successful than the people who started, mm-hmm. had nothing and were so much hungrier to get to the top as a person who's already on the top and had to, has to figure out how to stay on top Great. or how to be on per- top. Perfect theoretical experiment. You take both of those people, the person that started with nothing and built themselves into a millionaire and then the person that was just handed yeah. 
the millionaire fortune, okay? Take both of those people and remove everything from them. Remove everything. Take it all away. Which one is going to get back to the million? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the the person that, that built it from scratch and learned and went through every step and didn't skip steps and learned the process, learned what they needed to to become a millionaire, or the person that was handed it? Because that, that person already went through it. So exactly. it's, like, it's got to copy copy and paste. And yeah. how many times, how many stories have we heard of, of millionaires say, yeah, I built my, my fortune into a multi-million dollar business. I lost it all from the fucking crash. And in ten, five years, they're back to it. I mean, every entrepreneur that we had on this podcast... They didn't get handed to them. They had some kind of a tough upbringing, yep. terrible family life, immigrant, you know, had had nothing. And they built themselves into yep. something. And I will always take the underdog, the person who has nothing next to the person who was given something. I mean, look at look at lottery winners. You like eighty percent yeah, of yeah. lottery winners that are that have a broke mindset that win multi millions within five years they're broke. Mm-hmm. And I go, if you win a hundred million fucking dollars how are you how are you not set for the rest of your life? How are your kids not set? How are your grandkids not set? How are you bankrupt in five years? Yeah. Because they don't have the mindset. They haven't well, learned the, same the with skills the athletes, needed. Right? Yeah. The yeah. NFL and NBA typically. You see them with their contracts and one they're short. Uh, That's why Shaq was so good about what, what he did with his fine. He fired his financial advisor the day he signed the NBA. Well, even Shaq, I mean, he he saying like I didn't know about taxes. He's like, "So I make a, a million dollars, I'm going to buy a house for 300,000, I'm going to get my mama yep. Benz for 40,000. All right, so I have X amount left over." And he's like, "Nope. No, you got to pay taxes. You got to this, do this." He's got, "Oh shit." This whole topic reminds me of another great book, The Millionaire Next Door. So, in The Millionaire Next Door, the statistics, I think about two-thirds roughly of um, millionaires in America. This is in the 90s, but then they did an updated one. 66% are first-generation millionaires, meaning they didn't come from money. Hmm. So the majority, I think it's still in this ballpark. I, yeah, I, would, I would confidently say mo- I would say, yeah, mo- I would agree with that. And I'm not, but um, the majority of millionaires are self-made. And there are, then the generations after usually are the ones that squander it. And the people who do, so I think it goes back to, we have to, revisiting the sports. You have to incorporate these lessons, teach your children, teach your family your kids, your your nieces, nephews, whoever, the art of delaying instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think wealth building has to do directly with delaying gratification. And it could be as simple as like making your own coffee to maybe I'm not going to drive the new um, the new whatever car. Maybe I'm going to lay low a little bit. And then when, it's, when this thing is cheap to me, then I'll get it. Not yep. to say... It's a balance. It's It really is a balance, but... Um, they always say that I, like, I, like, I before that. you buy something... You should only buy it if you can buy it twice. Yeah, that's a good rule. Well, I mean, look at look that's at a great rule. Who's the right? cash too? Who's the guy in, in the in the news right now? Uh, the lawyer down in the south. He's on trial for murder and stuff. And his son, oh, the, the, uh, the Murdochs, right? You know, he has. Don't man, ask me. You know, you ever heard you ever heard this guy? He is a like his family is. Think like, he did it? I don't. Even, I forgot what the case is. But did he do uh, it? Probably. He probably did do it. But the the case the case I'm trying to make is that. His family has a bloodline of like, you know, judges and successful lawyers. And his grandfather, great grandfather, was a, you know the first judge or in his family and built it from nothing. And you know, being handed down, down, and down, you're just used to that power, that level of money. And you're like, whatever, I can do the fuck I want. I don't have to, yep. you know, learn from the bottom. And his whole family empire is, you know, is crumbling now because of all the stupid decisions that he made. But uh, what I was Unless we're done with this conversation. No, I'll add one thing before you ask the question is you were talking about how a lot of uh, the 66 or 70, we'll call it 70% of 
uh, millionaires are self-made. And I would actually argue um, that a lot of people will say self-made, but in reality, nobody is self-made because you've learned something from somebody along the way yeah. that you, you you read a book that right. somebody wrote, whether it's like, let's say you, wrote, you, you read Think and Grow Rich from Napoleon Hill and you applied the principles to become a millionaire. You weren't self-made. You had help. From Napoleon Hill, uh, right? Or if you he start, was a mentor, right? He your was your mentor. Author you could be a mentor. You were a doubt. coach, right? You were you were in in sports, Those. and you learned certain skills and certain mindsets from sports to become a successful millionaire. You weren't self made. You you took what you've learned from this coach and applied it to reality. So a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm a self made millionaire." Nobody's a self made. Everybody has help. Some people have financial help, whether it's an investor from somewhere, right? You started a business and you got a $100,000 investment from from some bigwig to start your business. Or you read a book or you had, let's say you started a business or t-shirts and you, your first sales were getting a print to made shirt where you utilized a company that printed the shirts for you and you would sell them on your website. You had help Mm. from the print shop. If that print shop didn't exist, you wouldn't have made your first shirt. So everybody says, like, I'm a self-made. But the point is, utilize and recognize these opportunities and the help and the mentorship that you can get from all these different places and apply it to whatever the the avenue that you're you're going down, right? So everybody says self-made. I would argue that they've gotten help from one way or another, from a book, from a friend, mm-hmm. from some company, whatever the case may be. Uh, but... That was the only thing I want to add. So Eric had a question. Unless he wanted to say something. I'm just – it's so crazy that Justin is bringing that up, that addendum about like, um, you know, giving credit where credit's due and, you know, nobody's self-made. I love that he brought that up because I'm thinking in my head while you're talking, I'm like, I wouldn't be here. You asked me about like the coaching and then I'm talking. I wouldn't be here without the coaches I've had. I've had mentors who have supported me tremendously um, emotionally skill wise um physically in all in all different ways and i've had several coaches over the years like my college coaches i wouldn't co- i wouldn't know about the way how to run a program or how to do the skills and drills without them my high school coach for uh for believing in me right like i wouldn't be where i'm at in life if it wasn't for the coaches i've had and i wouldn't have the career i have if it wasn't for those mentors and then it was just the maybe the coaches we just interacted on the way to the bathroom at the right. tournament yep and just quick brushing of shoulders but point is, I have to like you know I'm sitting here as the like uh, as an expert as the authority in the wrestling. But realistically, I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't other people who believed in me. And then that's why when other coaches reach out to me on social, like I'm so uh, apt to help them. And um, you know maybe they say it's wrong. I give away too much stuff for free. But like I don't see it that way because it's it's I'm I'm trying to help them, mm-hmm. and I'm a big believer in it'll help me and it'll come full circle. Yeah. So. Just wouldn't be here without them. You need good mentors. You need to be coachable. And then it just ties back why the sports are important. Because I wouldn't have this attitude without, you know, one, fitness, learning. And that's a whole other avenue, being a workout person, being into training. And then also coaching and being coachable and being humble enough to receive. So I think it's very important to not. Most definitely. Which it's, it's too much, too much ego, too much ego. Ego is good to a degree. You need to have confidence. You need to have self-belief. But you also need to understand that people are bigger, better, smarter, faster. And we're not the only people who've done wrestling or, you know, cigar. We need to be able to accept it. You got to be a sponge. You got to. You got to be, like you said, you got to be coachable. 
you know, I think, you know, I don't like to talk about myself too much, but I right. can say one trait about myself that I know is I'm always willing to lend an ear, always willing to learn and just be a sponge. Cause obviously I don't just like everyone in the room, we don't know everything. So when someone knows something, I take what I can learn from and the other stuff I can just put to the side. But it, it my question kind of goes to, you know, what we're talking about right now is, you know, you're coaching these kids in a very, um, influential state, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21. You know, and we talk about this, how society teaches these kids. And you know how, you know what I'm already going to ask. But, you know, what's the talk track? How do you mold these kids with, they already think they deserve everything. They already have this ego like, I'm the best. I deserve it all. I don't have to work as hard because, you know, I'm this guy. <laughs> this, is, this is his moment right now. You know, there's a lot. Uh, there's a loaded question. You know, you know where I, I'm not even going to ask the question. Yeah, so, how do you do it in this in this um, in, in, in today's world? Yeah. Like with we talked about technology already, social, especially with like kids like you know with with participation and volunteer trophies and kind of being a little bit softer as when we grow up. You know, how do you? Uh, so, how do you, get these kids I'll, I'll you only the, get the fucking award if you win. Yeah, no okay. doubt. I'll let the audience. That's it. <laughs> I think it's important that. Um, the, the people know that I completely uh, disagree with that entire thought process, and um, which I'll, is what the per, the participation oh, okay. trophy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, we all, we all disagree with that. <laughs> so I just want to make that clear, be because I need to take a stand on that that whole. The reason why wrestling is great is it's meritocratic in nature. The reason why it's such a wonderful sport is it's meritocratic and it's also um, for everyone, size, weight, background doesn't matter. It's who's the best at that weight and that's what makes it so awesome and the people who buy into it and the fans and the coaches because we see that and that's why we love about it it's like it doesn't matter so it's a super cool aspect so you're talking about coaching kids today so i always say this to all my coaches and all my colleagues and people like basketball golf whoever we have a very tough job coaches today are in a very very peculiar situation we have a very hard road to to tell we are going uphill we are going up him. This is going so you need to go into it understanding that everything we're preaching and trying to reinforce goes exactly against what society reinforces and preaches. So I always start off with a disclaimer. I tell them you need to know this that delaying instant gratification and um, you know being responsible on social media, understanding that what you do has an effect, and all of these things we've covered in this podcast. Um, we're trying to teach through sport, so understand that we're going to have a tough job. All right, so first things first. We are big, and every program I've been a part of is we greater than me. Very cliche. We all know it. We used to do it in 08. You have to get them to buy into us as a family and as a unit. And you'll notice this generation um, and people today are very big on causes, right? Very big on social causes. So if you can convince them Everything we've believed in sports, which is true, how this is going to help you in life and not just in the moment to win or to win a game. If we could teach you the bigger picture, they're going to buy in more so because this is a generation that really wants to be behind things that mean something. So if we could show them that wrestling is an avenue to improve your life and prove you as a person and we build that we family, it will help mitigate a lot of what you were talking about, the entitlement and the narcissism. Because mm -hmm. here, remember, we're solution oriented. I could sit there and complain, ah, the kids, they're not like they used to be. But no, we're not going to give up. We're going to figure out a solution, and that is the solution. We're going to create a team culture. It could be basketball, wrestling, football, that this is a family. This is a we. We are a unit. 
doesn't matter who you are, or where you come from. We're going to put all that BS aside and we are going to focus on the goal. The goal is to help you in our program win on the mat and in life. I, as a D3, former D3 athlete and as myself, listen, unless the kid goes, maybe he'll do the European thing. Maybe really good wrestler as an MMA. Majority of kids are going to be going into the workforce. They're going to go into a job most likely where we're located in New York City. They're going to work for a group, a company. They need to know how to work well with other people, right? So my goal as a coach in a Division three institution is to get them in a job placement, help them be a reference, help them succeed, and show them how this sport, ours is wrestling, it could be basketball, football, how this can help them in that regard. Because we have to think long term. And then we got to get the kids to buy in long term. So we brought up, that's the answer to the first part. How do we defeat the, the, and it's true, the narcissism, the entitlement, the me. And then also we brought it up earlier. These kids, we are all born after September 11th, okay? So they've lived in a world of a lot of fear and a lot of things like where when I went to high school, we could leave the school whenever we wanted. It's a very different environment. So they are looking for a place that they could be safe in. So if you can create a basketball, football, wrestling where it's something they want to be a part of and they feel a part of it, we were getting even more bought in athletes. When we were athletes, guys like us, we didn't need that. But if we can create that, you're going to get an even like you're going to get a super athlete because mm-hmm. they love that vibe, as the kids would say, the vibe, the energy, whatever. But you create that atmosphere. You make this a place they want to hang out, the court, the wrestling room. And they really go. So you want to create that environment where it's like, oh, like, like I'm a person here. Like people care about me. Like, cool. Like you're part, you're part of something. Yep. And I know there's a lot and I obviously have a lot of thoughts Um, because we're a podcast, because we're on social, because I'm on social, like. Remember, the the athletes you're coaching now, everything is very superficial. You know, the likes, the comments. So if you can create as a coach, um, like a profound environment where those relationships, the friendships, we always had that when we were playing sports. But if we can, as coaches now, like really even up the ante, the kids are going to buy in. They're going to buy in even more so because they don't have it. Like when we were growing up, like we had a lot of distractions, like um, like social stuff, go to the movies, go to the mall. These kids don't do that now. They're not doing... There's not as many... So if we can create like um, wrestling, for example, as the mall of the movies, we're going to have a powerful program. That's a great... That's a great... A great point. A great way to look at it is you're is you're creating something. No, you're, but... you're creating something that people can be a part because people want to be a part of something. They want to sure. be a part of something bigger, right? So if you can create that environment for them, then it takes away from the negativity of the narcissism and the the social aspect of I need to be on Instagram and get the likes from. No, I have the likes from my peers already in this environment that is going to excel me to someplace else versus the social media. But you brought up a good point of um, how when we were talking about the participation stuff, right? How wrestling is a very you had said the word uh, meritocratic, right? It's it's I never heard that word before. Like you get merits for for you know if you win you get an award. If you lose, that's it. Like if you're in a wrestling match, you don't get a participation award like for that, losing. I like right? that word. Merit- it's not like I lost my match. I get no meritocratic. Mer- I think it's meritocratic or meritocratic, whatever. The, what is it? Now? A meritocracy. So it's okay. like meritocracy. meritocratic. So, so I actually relate that to golf. Okay. Because Love I, it. I'm a, I'm a big golfer now. I was, you know, basketball. Now I play I'm a lot. Everyone Eric heated up on the back nine play, at the bachelor party. I play a lot of golf. <laughs> I play a lot of golf. And I was just at the simulator today. I play a lot of golf. But the point of that is what I like about golf is there's no 
So a lot of other sports might have some politics involved, right? right. In order to get to the NBA, right, you got to go through a couple. In golf, there there really isn't. Any. If you go out and you shoot 62 three round Thursday, Friday, Saturday, nobody can nobody can say no, he's not allowed to play in. If you go out and you shoot in the 60s, you're fucking playing. Like nobody can say you're not you're not making it. Yeah. Right? If you're if you're the best basketball player on the planet, right? You could some a coach would be like, "No, I don't like him. I'm not going to let him come in because you're in golf. If you go out and win every fucking tournament you enter, you're you're There's in. There's no you, denying. There is no denying. You're in. That's that that's what I love about the sport is you can't it's a, you merica- can't, it's a meritocracy. You can't not get into the opens if you go out and you shoot 60s every round. You know, sure. I really think that was one of the reasons why I liked the wrestling from the jump early on, like in high school. I really enjoyed the fact that there was like very minimal politics because you're if you're the best guy, you're going to wrestle, it. and if not, that's too bad. And there's no you win, and you fuck, you're in. That's and at it. times, and that's really how I've lived my life. Like consistently, I'm like a very. Um, I can be very binary, like it's either you did it or you didn't, and it's like either you this is the way it is and that's it. And and a lot of people um, will challenge me on that and they find fault, but I would a lot of my success is based on that. So yes, is there downfalls? Sure, can I improve? Always, but I think that in life sometimes you need, you need to be able to to make a hard stand and not be afraid to do so, especially in today's climate. And you have to be like this is fundamental. This is to me. This is my fact. This is fundamental to me and. You can't be easily swayed, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about all these different things, but there's no like in wrestling. There's no like, oh, like your your parents the coach, you know, your dad's the coach, so like we're gonna start you as quarterback. Yeah, it's yeah. like no, you lost in the wrestle off. Go to the. Like, maybe you'll get your chance if this guy gets hurt or you improve, but if you I win, you're in. That's it. And um, I that's really what I, why I've stayed in the sport so long is, and I hear a lot. Like I have great friends, and maybe you guys know about this, like. I have two really close buddies. They're big into hockey, and they always try to like hockey. tell me, like, "Dude, you would love hockey." Like, they're also guys who are familiar with wrestling, and they say there's a lot of this similar, um, meritocratic, like, very like. They just said I would love it and enjoy it, but I figured I'd bring it up on the podcast. A little <laughs> hockey action. Love hockey. Hockey's a great sport. Always wa- sport. dabbled a little bit, like with. Yeah, I know. played roller hockey growing up, but then being downstate in Long Island, it's not a very. Yeah, it's not. Speaking of Rochester, they love it up there. All right, yeah, yeah. If I'd have grown up there, I probably would have stuck with hockey. Yeah, but. yeah. They ice time. I used to work with one yeah. guy. He's like, I got to bring Johnny to get ice time, and I'm like, ice time. Yeah, I used to work the ice games. Cream, I used to work the games. It was fun. It was they would. Yeah, they were like like just, just be like announcer the, for the games. They have like their own society, just like there's wrestling parents and basketball parents yeah. and football. There's these hockey parents, and I just, I think it's awesome. I, I used to love cool. it. I used to announce for them. That's I, the only starting one. center, number 42, Eric the Machine. Would Joseph. you be the machine, you think? I don't know, but that I would do stuff like that. It was mm-hmm. great. Brother Cigar. That's a good compliment, bro. I used to do it all the time. My last question to you. Yeah, we're at uh, an hour and 45 minutes. This will be the last. Fuck yeah. This will be the last question. So I got I to I gotta pee. <laughs> <laughs> Mature audience. We're gonna we're gonna go off we're gonna go off topic, but sure. What is it? You get to ask me about aliens or something? Nah. What is it that you love about cigars? Why do you like cigars so much? Yeah, leave it to the last question to finally talk about cigars. What is it that you like about? Because that was one of the things that we instantly connected on, you know, growing up and getting knowing each other. But cigars is what you know, like we always say, put it brought us together. So, what is it that you like about cigars? It's about all the things we talked about and basically what we've done here tonight. Cigars bring people together. There is the uh, camaraderie factor. 
And um, you guys have done a great job, like, reinforcing that, especially, like, with guests and, you know, the people that you meet and the people you bring on and the things you learn and the conversations you have, right? Um, you could be having a cigar inside or outside. You can go from being complete strangers to best friends. And um, to, it relates to a lot of the stuff we talked about, you know, with isolation and, yeah. you know, the so- socials and things like that. Um you could really build a relationship over a cigar very similarly as a, you can on the court, on the field, or on the mat. Like, um, it's a it's a brotherhood, it's a bond, and um, it's just like golf in that way too. But there's something that I think makes cigars a little bit more uh, special. Um, and we could probably go into like a lot of the different ways why, but like I was just watching the centenarian thing, like the hunt, like hundred year old. That's great on Netflix, by the way, if guys want to watch it, but cigar smoking and like the, i think it's more of the uh, outside element factor and just um being within nature and also it's uh, we i've heard you guys say the consumable art yeah um i don't know it's just breaking breaking down chopping it up talking shop over a cigar i mean you go into a cigar lounge right um you don't know anybody you're in dallas i'm throwing cities out you're in la mm-hmm. You know, Miami. All of a sudden, you go into the cigar shop, right? New in the city, you just got there. Maybe you have to go there for work. Maybe it's a wedding. You'll make three friends, three 100%. dudes. You got their contact. They're on social now. Hundred percent. Maybe they're not best friends, but um, it's a great way um, to meet other like-minded, successful people. And I think, I don't think I know that we need to get away from the vilification and the demonization. And a lot of the times, you guys talk about like there's no. Listen, I work with I work with youth. There's no, very rarely is there a child going to utilize nicotine through a cigar. Can we just dispel that myth? They're gonna Dude, go do preach. Like preach. this needs to be known. Um, it's a luxury item. It's for adults. It's usually for people who are going to be professional, and they're not utilizing a cigar in a way that, um, a cigarette or a vape would. It is a special celebratory a thing and i just got it from day one with cigars like cigars it makes it they just make sense man and it's preach preach couldn't say any better and and i think the last thing with the wine you know we're having the we're talking about the docg and things life is meant to be enjoyed and um you got to be able to take the edge off and you got to have things that are it's okay but um always you know as long as you keep your other stuff in check like like it, life is meant to be enjoyed and maybe that would be another podcast where we could talk about a little bit of like managing time busyness right we're a little too busy it'll be a it'll be a part two yeah. you guys yeah and i and you probably have going to italy you noticed right because we've traveled to italy a lot my fiance and i like you it's just a, the the lifestyle that we need to re- we need to incorporate that stuff over here yes so a lot i, I mean you, you hit the nail on the head life i've always said that life is meant to be enjoyed not just endured. Okay, you're supposed to enjoy life, and the, the little things like you know the drinking the wine, the smoking the cigars, those things take the edge off. They relax you. They bring you together. They bring you closer to other people, and that's what life is all about. Life is meant to be enjoyed. Life is meant to be shared with other people. Humans are not meant to be in isolation, yeah. and these things bring people closer together, and that's the beautiful thing. So couldn't say it better myself, gentlemen. I think we're that's a perfect way to end it. So absolutely. Nick Coco, Coach Coco, we appreciate you coming on here, brother. It was a real pleasure to have you on and kind of 
chop it up over a cigar about the wrestling world, about mindset, about what you do over a cigar, over some wine. So uh, if there's anything that you'd like to say regarding plugging away, where people can find you, your social media, the red carpet is yours. Just shamelessly plug it away. Let people know. Yeah, I'm just really grateful for um, being here and being in the studio. You guys built a wonderful place here. Um, the energy is great. Um, thank you again. Find me on uh, coach underscore Coco underscore. That is my coaching page. I also, same thing, YouTube, Coach Coco. So a lot of the content that I post on Instagram will be on YouTube, vice versa. I'm doing a lot of polls, different things through YouTube now. Um, so you can find my email. All my contact is like essentially my Instagram, Coach underscore Coco underscore is like my business card. So if there's any way you, you have an athlete or a team that's struggling with mindset or performance, um, send me a DM. We can set up a free consultation right away, um, no charge, and then we can get you to where you need to be strength and conditioning-wise, mental performance-wise, or just you want to have a conversation. So um, if you or your kid or somebody you know um, is struggling mentally or physically, like I have the appropriate channel, I can get them and get you in contact with who you need to. And um, yeah, if you want to find me, that's where that's where to go. That's Coach where it's at. Coach All right. Well, Eric, send us off with what's on his shirt. Gentlemen, ladies, and gents, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Nick, we appreciate you, Alan, brother. Cheers. Chin chin. Salud.